Okay. Hello. Hello, Isa. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Um, so welcome to D-Listers of History, the podcast about people you probably didn't learn about in school. I'm Fega, and I am your tour guide extraordinaire. I'm Isa. I'm a thought follower. A thought follower. I like <laughs> that. A thought leader. <laughs> I hate the term thought leader. Exactly. I'm a proud proud thought follower um i i aspire to never lead with my thoughts if you find if you find yourself referring to me as a thought leader you should find somebody else <laughs> that's real <laughs> um we're both very tired yes for different reasons um i had to push this back because i i didn't tell you what happened isa uh i was putting groceries away so that i had space to record because uh-huh. that's the sort of life that i lead Yes. Um, and I dropped one of the jars of pasta sauce in my pantry, which is kind of like one of these. It's like one of those under the stair things where uh-huh. you have to like kind of go in it <laughs> to access yeah. everything. Like and, a, is it like a like Harry Potter's? Yeah. Like little house. Yeah. 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 Curse be his name, but uh, you know. Yeah, but the, indeed, the sort of place he might have lived. Might have got it. So I uh, I dropped it and it it smashed on a bottle of birch beer that was on the floor and it went oh. everywhere and I was like I am in a rush <laughs> no. and this is now sugar all over my floor but I think, no. I think I got it all cleaned up. Did both the sauce and the birch beer? No, break? no, the sauce okay. survived. So okay, but one that. one down, but one down. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll just have to. It's an excuse to go back to Gettysburg and get more birch beer. Hey, hell yeah. It was a good time. Um, so, like, is, like, like, wait, like the, um, like the battlefield. Yeah, like the town that's next yeah. to the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, I love this person we're talking about today. I also love that after doing these two really serious episodes with Labor John, which mm-hmm. you should listen to both of them, dear Definitely. listener, if you haven't yeah. yet. Uh, which were really serious and really like intense. And I loved them, but this is not that. And I'm so excited to do a not that. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so this is uh, the Tommy Wiseau of the Gilded Age, Florence Foster Jenkins. Yes, Florence. Florence, the the one, the only. There's no one like her. I love her so oh, much. Yes. Um, and doing this research, I love her even more than I did previously. <laughs> Okay, I'm so ready. So, uh, for people who don't know her, so how I came across Florence Foster Jenkins, when I was in college, which was a couple of years ago, like a couple of decades, um, <laughs> uh, I it was during the Bush administration, and my, one of my music theory professors 
liked to do what he called liberal arts Fridays, where he would just sit us in a circle and complain about George W. Bush the entire <laughs> class period. <laughs> nice. You know, I'm worthy, I'm someone worthy of many complaints. Sure, but I was paying him to teach me music theory. Um. Oh, oh, okay. There's, yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure unless George, you know, maybe in a painting class, um, but not in a music theory class. Sure. I mean, I hate music theory, so, like, I wasn't that upset in the moment. But at any rate, he sometimes would talk about different things. And one of the things he brought up was this recording of Florence Foster Jenkins, and this is how I met her. And she was introduced to me as this, like, isn't it hilarious? Isn't she just, isn't her recording just the funniest thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to send you two recordings. One okay. I think you're probably familiar with, but I just want to make sure our listeners yes. are familiar with it too. And this is the Royal Opera House, um, their recording of the Queen of the Night aria from the Magic Flute. I've heard this. I've yes. heard this. Yes. I bet most people who have listened have heard it. They may or may not know what it's called. If um, not, get ready. Yeah. And uh, the singer, I, I think, is uh, Deanna Damrow. Um, she's great, whoever she is. Okay. I don't keep up with my the latest and greatest in um, opera singers. Here we go. Her dress is beautiful, by the way. If you haven't, like, just imagine um, sparkly swan, dark swan, swan queen. It's great. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll put these links somewhere on the social media. This is so weird because I can't hear you. I can't hear the recording. I'm just staring at you. I love the acting that goes into this, too. Yes. There she goes. She hits it. It is a little there bit it like, is. like watching um, ice skating. Like, Are they going to hit the triple axel? Yes. She got it. And I love I loved seeing it. I've never seen it live before. Like, yeah. Anybody after, you know. Go and check it out when you have a chance. Um, yeah, this is because it's like it adds a whole other level of drama to it. Like her eyebrows, oh my goodness, these are thin eyebrows going to the back of her head. And she's a master. She's a master. She's a ma- yeah. Um, coloratura soprano. Coloratura soprano is a. So there's all different um, operatic parts called fox, and f a c h, and I don't know a ton about them. I know there's a lot of politics that go into it because, of course, there are. But Uh coloratura is defined as very, very high and able to move very, very fast. So versus perhaps a lyric soprano is more less like the fast runs and stuff and more lyric. I don't have a better word for that. Interesting. Um, And this is considered potentially, arguably, one of the hardest arias for coloratura soprano in the opera literature. Now, uh, here is Florence Foster Jenkins singing it. Hell yeah. Let's hit it. I sent it to you twice by accident. Okay, let's do it. Here we go. (laughs) 
something to note here is that this this is this really the album title? It was Flora Sponsor Jenkins, The Glory of the Human Voice. Yes, that is. That's impeccable. Yep. Impeccable. I'm also very impressed with her uh, accompanist, who we'll talk about a little bit. <laughs> because he's he's with her. <laughs> that is a you know, if anybody <laughs> That takes a lot of skill. Like, yeah, for well, real, like, for real. He's changing keys. He's changing <laughs> tempo. Tempe, I guess is how you'd say it. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Yes, Florence. Oh, that's so intense. I can I almost hear it from your headphones. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's so funny. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay, needless to say, in terms of the triple axle of uh, opera singing, she did not hit it. She did she, not. She, she fell. But, you know, with the style and grace that can be afforded to, um, like, the pink flamingos of, uh, of, of opera. This, this, like, like, you know, like the, um, is, it, is that what it's called? Pink flamingos? Um, yeah, the Pink Flamingos movie. This is this just my first thought is that this would be for people excited into any type of drag race. Like this is this yes. feels like <laughs> this feels like she would be if drag race happened and when did when was she around? Uh, um like she she was born in 1868. Okay. So if this is like yeah, 1900 1880s to 1900 drag race she would have been on on snatch games 100%. i think we need to have in the back of our heads what the drag queen name for florence foster jenkins would be um isn't yeah put a oh, pin what in would that. it be put a pin on that yeah for yeah. sure for sure anybody that has ideas we'd Go love ahead. to hear that yes please yeah. um, <laughs> i'm not very good at that sort of thing um so this is how she was presented to me is I was familiar with the original aria and my theory professor played this and we all just kind of laughed and that was the end of it. Yeah. I learned a lot more about her though over time in this. I read a book about her this time. So I learned even more. So she was born Narcissa Florence Foster, uh, July okay. 19th, 1868 in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, which is just north somewhere northwest of us, I think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's one of those places that's just like, it's out there. Yeah. Got it. Past City Line Ave <laughs> mm-hmm. somewhere. <laughs> uh, she was, her parents, so her father was a wealthy land-owning lawyer. Okay. And he was so wealthy that apparently he wasn't very good at actually, like, he, he was a good lawyer, but he, like, wouldn't do his job because he didn't need to. Mm-hmm. I know. Isn't that yeah. nice? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And her mom was, you know, a wealthy wife mm-hmm. at that time. But what's sure. funny about her mom is that she lied about her age several times on several censuses in different uh-huh. ways. So we don't actually know Why? when she was born. She, cause she didn't want to be considered old. Oh. So we don't know when she was born. <laughs> that's, a, that's a new level of denial. But also, know, right? in another way camp i'm probably gonna ask this is where i've always like this is where i ask the question because i don't think i entirely i'll be honest i don't think i entirely understand the concept of camp 
So sometimes I just ask, is this camp? And it's never camp. People are always like, no, Isa, it's not camp. And I'm like, I think this was camp. I think it's camp. Yeah. I think it is. We'll probably get I think people this disagreeing. Camp. But I think this is camp. Yeah. I'm going to consider it camp. Yeah. Um, so she obviously that. comes from a camp mom. Yes, she does. Um, and, and she is there. She's here for it. And I understand yeah. it. My mom is camp. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I, I'm what happy I to. I've not actually met your mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'd, I'd happy, I'm happy to carry on that legacy. I know what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So she had a younger sister as well. So that's her family. She has rich dad, rich mother in denial about her age, and a younger mm-hmm. sister. Mm-hmm. We don't know that much about Floris Foster Jenkins' story as a child, mostly because she told so many tall tales about her own childhood. So we're not really sure what's true and what's just like made up. I just realized I forgot to put my little spit take thing on. Oh, well, it's fine. Um, <laughs> sorry, listeners, you're getting my my all my plosives. Um, I know I forgot something. Uh, so she studied the piano. And she claims that she played for President Rutherford B. Hayes. Okay. Which is unlikely. Not true. Yeah. Probably not true. Not impossible, but her father probably would not have agreed to that. So Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, not not particularly plausible. Sure. Um, she attended the Moravian Seminary for Young Ladies in Bethlehem, PA from September eighteen eighty one to March eighteen eighty two, where she studied the piano extensively. And she wanted to go on and study piano in Europe. And her claim was that her father didn't let her, that she wanted to do this Mm. and her father wouldn't pay for it. It's plausible because he was really protective of her because around that same time, her sister fell ill and died of diphtheria. Oh, no. Yes. So it's not a ridiculous thought that he might not have been very excited to send his other daughter across the ocean. Yeah. Man, people were always dying of these diseases back then like diphtheria yeah diphtheria is the one that balto got famous on right i think that's the one that all those kids in alaska had and balto had to carry the medicine you have any idea what i'm talking about i have no no (laughs) no i don't sometimes (laughs) you're giving me this look and you're like yeah Yeah." (laughs) no I'm sorry. I it's okay. It was. A, I actually don't know who Balto is. It was a, a short-lived Disney movie. Um, oh, okay. That came out when I was a child. Uh, Balto is a real and everybody life had dog. diphtheria. There were people who had diphtheria. I should do Balto as an episode. Get some dog representation. Um, Balto He's saved a dog? the kids. He's a dog. The dogs. The dogs have diphtheria. No, the dog saved the children from diphtheria. Oh, that's great. Can I tell you something? I, by the way, something really cool that happened today. I went, I was by the Schuylkill River Trail by the, the great dog park that's over there. Um, and there were these kids from this school. I don't know if it was like a school-led activity or if the kids got together and were like, we want to do this. I have no idea how this happened. It was definitely like during school hours and like, or something. Um, there were adults with them, but it was a huge bunch of kids. I can imagine like nine to 11 years old, maybe all with signs for like trans rights and going trans rights is are human rights. Trans rights are human rights. And they were just like walking along walking past the dog park and they went onto the Schuylkill River Trail and it was the one most wonderful thing ever. And then these two boys at the back 
of the group said, dog rights are dog rights. <laughs> I love children. <laughs> Which I love. Oh, my God. I was like, you know, off message. I don't. <laughs> not not what you guys – it doesn't seem to be what you guys are here for, but – not wrong. And it would be, you know, better than saying dog rights are human rights because that's not true. Dog rights are definitely dog rights. And yeah. dogs do have rights. But they're um, dog rights, not human But they're dog rights, not human rights. So, you know, not incorrect. Um, but anyway, I um I loved that. It was it was great. Why did I get on that topic again? Oh, because um, I talked about Balto and he saved a bunch of children from diphtheria. And Balto's a dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, Florence Foster Jenkins, her, do- her daughter, nope, sis- sister, died of diphtheria. And this is wild. Speaking of camp, 10 <laughs> days, 10 days, 1-0, mm-hmm. after her sister was buried, Florence Foster Jenkins, at the age of 14, oh my goodness, eloped with Frank Jenkins, who is 16 years her senior. Oh! <gasps> what yeah wait so how old does that make him uh 16 plus 14 i can't do math um uh, 30 <laughs> yeah i think that's yeah it's 30 that's not that's that's odd um yeah. the age of consent in pennsylvania at the time was 10 oh man yeah that's really young it is very oh, young i don't like i don't like that yeah uh, uh not a fan I'm glad we changed that. Good job. Yeah, that's a good thing good that job, Pennsylvania. we didn't used to have that <laughs> we have that. now. Uh, Thanks, so, guys. And the story goes uh, that a year after her marriage, she found out that she had contracted syphilis from her husband. So a little oh. bit about syphilis. I'm going to take a drink of wine and uh, <laughs> talk about syphilis. Let's talk about syphilis. That should be the intro to this. Um... It's, it's actually really important to the story. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, this is that let's talk about syphilis. Yeah. yeah. The more Tell me about you know. it. Um, the more you so know. in by 1900, so this is in her adulthood, 15 to 20% of the adult population had syphilis. Uh, but not. What? Yeah, I know. Right. How many people had syphilis? 15 to 20% of the adult population in the United States. I had no idea that everyone had syphilis in the 1880s, 90s. Uh, so this is 1900. But 1900. Sure it was bad in the 1890s too. It's 10 whole. Okay, years. obviously not everybody had had syphilis. 15 to 20 percent, but that's a kind of everybody. Minority. A significant portion of the population had syphilis. And wow. part of it was because not everyone knew that they carried it. Hmm. And there were yep. a lot of incorrect ideas about how to avoid syphilis. Sure. Because sex ed is important. And they did not have sex ed in schools no. at that time. No. Also, oh, I don't think no, we no, no. things. I think we needed to science a little more. Yeah. So there were these ideas that, like, if you abstained from sex in the first like year or two of marriage i think it was five years maybe some number of years of marriage Mm -hmm. that after that time frame if you had abstained that you wouldn't pass along syphilis which is absolutely untrue (sighs) Uh, that does nothing except makes the first couple of years of your marriage very frustrating (laughs) um and uh syphilis exists in four stages and i'm clicking on the link so i make sure i get this right 
please uh, go and they're not good the link a little bit of yeah sti i can tell you about my sdi education at a catholic school later if you're if oh, you're interested boy, it was pretty was <laughs> similar to what florence got probably I think it's like a little better because like we at least know knew what they were. Yeah, but, that's um, But yeah. Anyway, go uh, ahead. <laughs> so I'm at the C- so according to the CDC, so the Center of Disease Control, there are four stages. The primary stage is you you no- may notice sores in various places where syphilis entered the body. Mm. So you can extrapolate where that might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't always hurt, but they're there. And mm. they always heal no matter what you do. But that okay. doesn't mean that your syphilis has gone away if it heals. That just means the sore healed. Okay. And then there is a second stage, which involves much more intense rashes. And that can happen all over your body. Oh. And the rashes won't itch, but... They will have other symptoms like fever, swollen lymph glands, sore throat, hair loss, weight loss, muscle aches, fatigue, stuff like that. This mm-hmm. is the stage when people usually enter treatment because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sick. Right, right. But at this point, there is a sort of intermediary stage <laughs> called the latent stage that it will enter at that point where you have no symptoms. But you can still pass it along. I bet our listeners didn't know they were getting sex ed today. But this is important for understanding Florence's it's story. Always a good, it's always a good time to to get sex ed. This is, a, this is, this is actually really important to know. Syphilis is still out there. Yes, Watch it is. out. Yeah. Wear a condom. Um, <laughs> or whatever works for you. Yes. Um, let's see. And then there is a, what's called the tertiary stage. So I say four stages, but latent stage is one of the stages. So tertiary stage, which not everybody gets but this is the part where this is all like the famous symptoms so like changes to your mental state severe Mm -hmm. headache Mm -hmm. um changes to your vision hearing loss tinnitus Mm -hmm. vertigo those sorts of things when people say syphilis they're usually thinking about tertiary stage yeah stuff um so she got syphilis and but she is a wealthy woman or she's descended from a wealthy person. So right. she would have gotten treatment, which would have included mercury and arsenic. Did that help at all? No. No, it did not. <laughs> did that help at all? Why did people keep doing that? Why are they like, it has, it's going to work this time. You know, <laughs> like every time they ate mercury and ice arsenic poison, every time they ate poison, did people, I, this is this seriously, I don't understand. How the, I'm sure there's some great books about about this, <laughs> but why did people do this? I don't understand. It frustrates me so much. An important thing to know about mercury is that mercury poisoning can cause tinnitus as well. Mm-hmm. And for those who might be aware, tinnitus is when you get like ringing in your ears. So like Beethoven very famously had tinnitus, mm-hmm. uh, very severe tinnitus, and that's uh, you know relevant. Yeah. this story <laughs> yeah yeah because it's a story about sound yes and uh, she yeah and yeah. hearing and singing <laughs> yeah so she moved to philly her relationship with frank quickly deteriorated shocker mm-hmm. mm. and because of frank she thought that she was written out of the will 
of her father's will. Mm. But that's actually not the case. Uh, her father wrote her husband out of the will. <laughs> ah. But she was not written out of the will. But she didn't know that because her dad wasn't mm. that tight to like. He didn't like let her know. No. <laughs> um, she also didn't ask. I mean, God, I don't know if she asked or not. She doesn't seem like the type that would be afraid to say something. That's a good point. That's a good point. Let's. Bl- I think we should blame the dad. I agree. Um, I'm on her side, always. Yes, I'm always on Florence Foster Jenkins' side 100% <laughs> of the time. Um, so, yeah, okay. So he was written out. She wasn't. Um, and around this time, Florence Foster Jenkins later on would claim that she divorced her husband. Okay. There is no evidence of this all right but nonetheless they were separated she enrolled in a two-year piano course at the academy of music taught by the legendary richard zekwer zekwer i'm gonna go with zekwer and newspapers reported her to be at the top of her class and graduating Hmm. with honors so was she she was good at the piano presumably like we have no recordings but like interesting you don't and also like to be at the top of her class, like there was like sight singing and yeah, like oral training involved in this. So like, and this is from the newspaper. This isn't from her. Like this is like in right. the Inquirer. It's it's, it's not this- from the school either. Like like her dad. Like let's say like in an alternative universe, her dad wanted to pretend like she or she wanted to pretend like she was really good at the piano. You could pay a lot of people off to pretend like somebody's good at the piano, but I fe- imagine that that would be a large scheme that i think is probably beyond the scope of this situation yeah and also like you know the the book makes the point of like maybe she actually was okay at singing at some point because Uh, she clearly passed all this like oral skills training but i'll tell you what yeah i have a degree in music and to get that degree i had to do i had to do oral skills which included sight singing piano like certain like baseline piano skills and um what was the last one? Oh, dictation mm. let me tell you which of those three things i can do today <laughs> i can sight sing kind uh-huh. of uh-huh ben sits next to me regularly you can ask him <laughs> how i am at sight singing he'll probably it- give that face where he doesn't want to say something mean about me <laughs> oh my goodness it's Um, very it's very easy to although ben you ben is a very trusting person he trusts a lot in people's ability to sight sing um at shape note things and really my my thing is i'm just following whatever he's doing i'm just going 100 that's what i do (laughs) one millisecond off of out of whatever he just and here's the thing because i have no idea how to do it he's so nice that he like knows people do this and he just yeah like, yeah, and he's you're doing like, great. You're, you're doing, doing great. so good. <laughs> I'm trying, Ben. I'm trying. <laughs> a, uh, a side thing. When he was a younger a younger man, a, a boy, shall we say. He was 14. <laughs> um, he was trying to teach me the background part for a performance we were doing. We went to summer camp together as children. And I was not gifted at <laughs> matching pitch. I remain uh-huh. not gifted at it. This is a skill I have, I have learned. Yep. And uh, he was getting increasingly frustrated with me, and he was 14. <laughs> and I have this very vivid memory of him, like, just, like, putting his head on the piano and sighing dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. 
funny. Oh, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, that is the, that's a very funny image. Um, yeah, he is, I, he is I, more I, polite now. Anyway, so piano, Florence Foster Jenkins. Yes. Presumably good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my point is, is that she could have been a mediocre singer and still done well. Because like sight singing is not a sight singing is about hitting the right note. It's not about absolutely, and all it's not about sounding good. And also, mm-hmm. it is very possible to be really deep in things when you're in school, and then the minute you don't have to do it anymore, it just flies out of your head, like my definitely. piano skills. So definitely, Same. I'm still convinced that I'm past piano proficiency via divine intervention. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, um, yeah. Ben says that he can fake at playing the piano can well play the piano right I, that's what when people say that i was like ben that means that you play the piano yeah that so means you know so how it's like be, i can fake it you can't if you i played the piano for eight years i literally cannot i have i would have not know where to put my fingers so i will say I, I get what he's saying like I he's see, not he's not out here playing concerti <sighs> but anyway so but still she, yes um <laughs> But she, that's probably where she was, I would guess, with her singing. The author suggests that she must have had some skill there to pass. I say, as someone who has a degree in music, you don't need skill. You need to be able to fake it for long enough to pass your exam. Got it. So uh, she apparently did well. She performed in 1889 at the Zonga Fest and other okay. concerts in the area. This is the Philadelphia area. And she also sang at some of these Zonga Fests. And the critics reported that she was too nervous to perform well. Mm, Not a good start. Not a good start. But they also said she was an artist of great promise. So to me, this suggests that she didn't sound particularly good. However, she did, you know, she didn't do terribly. Okay. And to be fair, when you listen to someone who's not doing well, but they're clearly nervous, you can hear the difference. Yeah, that's true. But she definitely wasn't killing it. Right. Around this time, she got an arm injury, which ended her aspirations as a pianist. Um. We don't know what this injury was. It's heavily implied in various places that it might have been a injury from her syphilis. We don't know. What we do know is she cannot any longer play the piano. Yeah. Um, and at that point, she got by in Philadelphia by teaching piano lessons. But... Her parents, eventually, she gets closer with them again. She's, like, vacationing with them in fashionable mm-hmm. places, like Newport, mm-hmm. Rhode Island. Oh, oh, very nice. Yes. she. So, But she's, like, she's in Newport, which says something, but right. they weren't staying in a cottage. They were staying at the casino. Okay. The cottages right. are not cottages, for those who are listening. Cottages <laughs> are these absolutely bonkers mansions. Like, I don't know if you've yeah. seen them, Issa. They are off the chain. I have – Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The breakers. Yeah. That's – it's the, ridiculous. Yeah, the breakers. It's a, it's a disgusting show of wealth. <laughs> I think that – It's very beautiful. That's, that's the Vanderbilts, right? The breakers of the Vanderbilts. I just remember the I, breakers there is. Literally platinum on the wall, like as wallpaper. Yeah. Platinum. Yeah. Hammered yeah. platinum. Yeah, yeah. They wanted yeah, silver, yeah. but silver would tarnish, so they used platinum. <laughs> so it's – It's a very interesting, very, very interesting time. One day – um, if we do, when we do more Gilded Age stuff. Because um, we haven't done enough Gilded Age. Because we haven't done enough Gilded Age stuff because this hasn't become the Gilded Age podcast. Um, we could talk about Candace Wheeler and um, 
the interior, the great ladies, the great dames yeah. of interior design history. Someday does, when, it, when we're rich yes. and famous and I can quit my job, we can just go to Rhode Island and uh, <gasps> see the breakers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> so please, this is a great time to say – Please subscribe to our Patreon. Tell all your yes. friends. Yes, so we can go to the Breakers. Maybe rent a cottage. That would be. Um, I actually went to a party. I went to a party at a cottage. You can rent the cottages <gasps> for parties now. And okay, I, I was at how, a, I was at a rich. tourism conference, and okay. it was so it was so fun. It was so great. Not, um, I mean, I can imagine that that would have to be fun. Like as long now that we have them, we can do something. Also, fun like with them. tour guides, heavy drinkers. Just gonna put it out there. <laughs> You know how to have but, a good time. But, but have you ever been on like a drunk tour? Uh, not you guys do drunk so. history tours? Not exp- <laughs> no, no, because I think that would be weird. Like, would I could see weird. doing a tour. But there, there's well, there's legal issues. Like if somebody sure. hurt themselves, um, and also the yes. tour guide would never be drunk in right. that situation. Sure. Uh, so anyway. We're doing great. Maintaining professionalism. I love um, it. So <laughs> the the point is that Florence Foster Jenkins is rich enough to be in Newport, not rich enough to be like the Astors. Just to put her in the sort of like Gilded totally. Age like sort of deal. Totally. Got it. Um, 1900, she moved to New York City with her mother. 1909, her father died. And even though he was a lawyer, he left an absolute mess of no. his will. Because every time... It sounds like he dropped the ball a number of times already. Oh, he really did. Um, yeah. He, so every time he got sick or, like, traveled or something, he would rewrite his will. And the most recent will, nobody could find it. And, I mean, they looked for ages, and they could not find the silly thing. And so they ended up using an older one, and there were all these lawsuits with the cousins of... Florence and so on and so forth that's I frankly don't think it's particularly important what's important is that it was a it was very tangled and she did get quite a bit of money out of it in the okay. end mm-hmm. so she is well healed at this point oh she, nice yeah she's doing Did the arsenic work <laughs> no um, <laughs> she gets very involved in clubs in New York City okay uh, which was a thing that women of a certain social class did Mm-hmm. And she became the director of music of the – I'm going to try really hard to pronounce this. You might All know right. how to say this. I don't. This French? No, I think it's Greek. Oh, okay. You, you terpe? Here, I'm going to – that's definitely wrong. I'm going to write it in the chat. Oh, boy. Let's get your, get your opinion. Um, <laughs> I definitely don't know. Okay. I could say you terp, but that's wrong. It's, it's spelled E-U-T-E-R-P-E. <laughs> Yeah, friends at home. I, I do not know. Well, she becomes the director of music of that club. Got it. And she was in charge of putting on elaborate musicales. And I have to admit, I didn't... <laughs> musicale at the Uterpe. Yeah, so I have yes. to admit, I didn't know that musicale was actually a thing. I thought it was a weird way to say musical. Oh. <laughs> okay. Done in uh, <laughs> Wet Hot American Summer. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so I was really delighted to find out a musicale is actually a thing. <laughs> That's so awesome. A musicale. We're going to see musicale on the weekend. Yes. That's what I imagine. And so the they, weekends are like a new thing. Right. So they did <laughs> musicales before, but when she took over, they got super elaborate. Because okay. Because that's Florence Foster Jenkins does nothing by half. 
So these would be held. <laughs> Certainly not. No. These would be held at the Waldorf Astoria. And uh, in 1909, she's running one of these musicales and she looks out into the audience because this was, I think this is actually kind of funny. This was typical yeah. of the time where the person who was running the thing would be presented a gift. And because uh-huh. these are all like very wealthy ladies, it would be like like a fancy piece of jewelry or something. So she's mm-hmm. on the so she's on stage, I believe, receiving one of these gifts. Nonetheless, okay. she's on stage, and she looks out into the audience and sees a smile that she found disarming. Oh no! And that person with the disarming smile was Sinclair Bayfield, mm-hmm. and they met, and it would start uh, a lifelong romance. Oh, okay. It turned into a common law marriage. Hmm. So Bayfield was an actor from England. He was related to an earl, but he was related through an illegitimate line. So he wasn't, Mm. you know, getting any money or anything. So he had to fend for himself. He left England, went to New Zealand, where he worked as a sailor, a farmer, a laborer, and then began to work as an actor, at which point he traveled around the world, ending up at New York City and meeting Florence Foster Jenkins. I like this guy because I, too, am a person who just sort of does what needs to be done. Like, the current job I'm in, I got because I was willing to, like, hawk tickets on the street. So Mm -hmm. I, I respect, like, I respect that. Yeah, yeah. So he meets Florence Foster Jenkins, but he continues to work. He's a working actor. So Got he, it. you know, goes around the country. And so as a result, we have a lot of letters from that time. Not as many as you'd expect, but we do have a number of letters that were, the, the ones we have were presented as evidence later on to prove their relationship. Oh, no. Okay. And they did refer to each other as husband and wife. They had a small private ceremony for themselves with a handful of witnesses, but they did not have a legal status. Hmm. And uh, he kept working, but more and more his focus became the career of Florence Foster Jenkins. Okay. And she basically paid for his existence. Um, Uh He lived in his own apartment, which, mad props, by the way. I am super pro (laughs) anybody who, like, wants to have a non-traditional arrangement in their relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is he... But they were like, was this like an equitable relationship or was, no. was she just kind of, no, no. She, or she's so just kind of paying him he, I stuff. Based on what I read, I think he genuinely loved her. Okay. And genuinely cared about her. And sure. I think the same went the other direction. Mm-hmm. But he was helps. a working actor and she right. was an heiress. God, yeah. So there's yeah. going to be an inherent um, lack of uh, yeah. balance in that relationship. Yeah. However, his actions speak pretty loudly. Yeah. As we'll see. And he was a huge proponent of her for the rest of her life. Nice. So in a way that I think would have been um, – I think it would have been obvious to other people if it wasn't genuine. And I think yeah. we would have heard something if yeah. that was the case. I don't know. Yeah. I think yeah. it was genuine. Maybe I'm just a romantic, but I'd like to think I it was you. genuine. I um, he he looks like a nice guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, she hi, looks, Pikachu. Looks, oh, here he is. Here's the man. He's been screaming. Yeah, I heard him. I don't hi, know what Pikachu. for. Hi, You can't hear me, but that's okay. <laughs> see that? You see that face? Yes, I did. That's oh my a very god! Very good face. She joined lots of clubs, not just the one we can't pronounce. Yep. And she was all about creating musicals and another thing called tableau vivant. Okay. Which are static images of famous scenes. 
or paintings. <gasps> like when the ladies just stand there like this. Yeah, like one Grecian urn. Yeah, yes. it's always a Grecian urn. It's, it's, I always imagine them being very Grecian. Uh, or if you've seen Gilmore Girls weirdly there's an episode where they do this it's so weird it's so weird that's too much that's too much but if uh for any (laughs) listeners at home if you're a gilmore girls fan that episode where they did like the living paintings that's that's a tableau vivant (laughs) Um, those things are weird weird, and unsurprisingly she would always cast herself as the main character in the final tableau (gasps) oh my goodness i wish i could see that there are some pictures oh my gosh i can send what i would there are pictures no but i want video i want video we are lacking that unfortunately yeah that's what i like i want to see like did she i can imagine i feel bad at saying this already but i can imagine florence foster jenkins in a living painting moving a lot and then saying that she didn't (laughs) i mean it sounds right (laughs) Um, i love it (laughs) they're actually so there's a movie that i was going to talk about later and i'm not going to talk about it extensively now but um meryl streep plays florence foster jenkins and for all of my criticisms of that movie which are extensive uh, none of them are about any of the actors um Uh and certainly not meryl streep yeah so there is a there is a lovely scene in the beginning where she is doing this and it's it's very humorous and well done awesome um so she Loved wearing elaborate costumes. Very famously, she cast herself as the angel of inspiration in a Stephen Foster painting. Fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Stephen Foster wasn't the artist. Stephen Foster is a musician, and the art is called Stephen Foster and the Angel of Inspiration. Fantastic. She's like, I am your muse. There is a picture of her in that costume uh, that is was passed around quite a bit for chuckles in the time frame. Which honestly, I think is not fair. Like, she was a little bit of a, like, for the time. Yeah. Her shape was not, shall we say, a traditionally attractive shape for the time. Like, she was a little broader up top, like, with her shoulders and stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. she didn't have that hourglass It's not a flattering outfit, though, I will say. It was not. Did you look it up? (laughs) I I think I see it. I mean, it's the one with with the the wings. It's the one with the wings. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's not its not a great costume. Is there, The costume's not working for her. No, it's really one. not. And, yeah, um, it's not at the level yet where she actually is doing, uh, where the camp is working for her. There is another that it's much better. Um, yes. I don't know if she's trying to be, there's one with like lace and stuff. Um, that's like the third thing that comes up when you search Florence Foster. We'll Jenkins. post all this in, uh, yeah. in the Instagram yeah um comes out uh yeah so she she loved costumes yeah and she would have definitely been a cosplayer if she lived today um and around this time she starts taking voice lessons which makes sense like she loved music she loved it loved it loved it and i think yeah could it must have been so hard to have put all this work in and not be able to participate in it in that mm. way. So mm. she starts getting singing lessons and she starts giving recitals at her clubs at the age of 44. Mm. And she actually started her own club called the Verdi Club, which was, as you might imagine, in honor of Verdi's music. And she was called the singing president. She was the president of the Verdi Club. Because she founded the clubs that people yeah. listened to her sing. Well, it wasn't just that. It was, but that happened. Just yeah, well. but that helps. That was, <laughs> that, that I feel like if we know anything about Florence Foster Jenkins, maybe this is too early of a, a judgment, but I feel like 
she probably wanted to, wanted to do that. <laughs> so at the height of the Verity Club, uh, there were 400 members. So it was definitely very successful. Nice. And I want to take a moment to make a note about how the female voice works as you age. So everyone mm. knows about people who – how am I going to say this? Um, people who's have XY chromosomes. We're going to go there. Have XY chromosomes – Famously, their voices crack and change a lot in the teen years. Yes. And we know a lot about that. What is less talked about is people with XX chromosomes who don't in some time in their adulthood go through, you know, gender Mm. therapy or something. So these Mm -hmm. are like cis women predominantly. Um, I don't know if this happens to trans women. I bet. I imagine it does. I can't imagine it wouldn't. But anyway. That your voice would change. When in your older adulthood, starting in your your 40s. Starting in your 40s. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. menopause deepens and changes the voice. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of science that I don't understand. Yep. But needless to say, middle age is a time of change. Yes. For the voice, for for a woman, for a cis woman. And I can't imagine not for – I don't know. Imagine. Pikachu voice will never change, though. It will always – Always. Pikachu is always – Always as I will say, at the age of thirty six, turning thirty seven in just a couple months, um, I'm already seeing some of this. Hmm. Like just in singing in my car, like my voice is definitely acting different, and I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm a little in denial about it. <laughs> it happens. Um, it happens as we our voices change so much, right? And, and it's, vo- it's voice science. Voice science is wild. Yeah, um, and even yeah. knowing that this is a normal thing that happens, I yeah. it, it's 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 you know you get so used to how your voice works, and now it's changing. Yeah. And it's weird. So it's my point is, is she was definitely experiencing this. Sure. Yes. Yes. The Verity Club. Part of the excuse for its founding is that the recitals they put on would support the Red Cross during World War One. Uh huh. Uh huh. And she would always take part in the recitals because, of course, she did. Uh, but she would do it alongside other performers, many of whom were young, talented musicians at the start of their careers. Aww. She would also feature music from living composers from all over the world. Nice. So, yeah. So it wasn't just Verity Forerunner. or Mozart or whatever. She was obsessed with music from Spain. Uh-huh. Um, and she would – she found all these people. And part of it, I think, was because they were cheaper. But, like, she elevated a lot of artists – Mm. who this was like the performing at the Verity Club was like the beginning of the career for a lot of a lot of artists Mm. cool the reviews of her recitals of her singing in the recitals are ambiguous Mm. Mm -hmm. they would say things like she's never sung better (laughs) or Mm. there was a round of enthusiastic applause Mm. Mm. so lots of things that don't say anything sure but these recitals were exclusively attended by her upper crust friends. And while <laughs> they came to be known about outside that circle, the people who came were still friendly to her. Okay. So a common thing was to cover up their laughter with bouts of applause in the oh middle of her goodness. arias. Oh my goodness. That she would take as a compliment, which is part of why wow. I call her Tommy Wiseau because I've always wondered with the room, if yeah. Tommy Wiseau, how much he understands is going I, on. We don't know. That's right. the thing. We just don't know. And that's literally 
that's the thing with you could, Foster Jenkins. We you could argue know. either way. Right. You could argue either way. And on some deep level, both of them have to know that what they're producing is not good. But but when it comes to that level of like, you know, you really have to believe it also mm-hmm. to go through that far with it all. Um, but I feel like it's it's a source of much debate within room enthusiasts. Yes. Yeah, um, and, and, and I'm sure Florence Foster Jenkins yes. as well. Yes, yes, Florence Foster Frank, thank Florence Foster Jenkins, the, fa- the Jenkinites, <laughs> Jenkinites. Yes, uh, definitely disagree on this too. I'm sure. And you know, so did she know how bad she was? Um, she signed autographs <laughs> when people asked, and she seemed to think she was good. But at the same time, she refused to open her concerts up to the general public. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And she personally handled ticket distribution and refused to give them to music critics outside of the ones who had <laughs> shown their loyalty already. That's <laughs> work. <laughs> work. Yeah. A side yeah. note, uh, Cole Porter never uh-huh. missed a concert. Amazing. <laughs> I, be- I bet. I'm she looking had- at you through a leaf. Sorry. Right oh, no. That's a straight leaf. That's a. <laughs> it's, a, it's a straight up leaf. Um, I wonder, like, this is the thing. Like, I just, I wonder if there's something in the stage and her stage presence. I, because I can imagine a, a oh, woman definitely. with this com- this confidence had and this love of costume and performance. Like, I bet, like, I bet the concert, I bet it was something to behold. Yeah, and she had you lots know? of costumes. There is one video recording of her, but it's not a very good recording. It's <sighs> like kind of taken off from the side but mm. it shows her like throwing like i think it's like pedals into the into the crowd like she's having a great time yeah and you can see that you know yeah yeah um so she had a variety of accompanists over the years uh the most famous being cosme mcmoon he was an irish mexican pianist oh and he's the one i who is in that recording that i shared Oh, wow. And he's really good. He's really good. And he's very good at painting her in the best possible light. Like I said, he's changing keys. He's changing Tempe. Um, Uh But as she ages and as she goes on, she becomes increasingly obsessed with being a color tourist soprano, which she just simply is not. Man. Like just listening to her voice, I am not (laughs) an expert in Fox. I am. But I she is definitely not a color tourist soprano, mm, especially yeah. when she takes those recordings. Yeah. But she comes obsessed with it and she would oh, brag. Pikachu. Stop. So like Pikachu I, right sorry. now, I'm she so would sorry brag. No, it's fine. <laughs> she would brag about what high notes she could hit <laughs> to the extent. Hi, Pikachu. Here he is. Here he is. What I'm going to do, huh? I'm going to grab my, I'm going to grab his brush he needs to be brushed. Um, I'll, hold on one second. Let me grab yeah, it. no that'll worries. Him, that'll, that'll shut him up for a little bit. Um, Pikachu, look. Look. Come here. Come here, baby. Come here. Oh, Pikachu. So excited. Oh, yeah. yeah, he loves this. He loves to be brushed. He cute. loves it. And um, he loves it because, especially right now, I've never seen, and I'm sure there's, I've never seen one cat shed more. In, <laughs> in ever in, no it, it in is impressive world. i have four cats yes so there is a lot of cat hair in my house 
I'd say that the amount of cat hair in your apartment is equivalent. It is at least equivalent. She, he, and right now it's the situation is pretty bad because well, it's that uh, time I would of have year. to say it's that time of year. Oh my god! But he's never shed. It's it's never been this bad before. We've been together since 2020. It's the third year. That's our third springtime. Oh, I didn't realize no. uh, Pikachu is a lockdown kitty. He's a lockdown kitty. Oh yeah, this is a lockdown. Whoa, Pikachu! It's a lockdown <laughs> kitty. Um, <laughs> uh, he is my ex's neighbor's porch cat. Um, That's that I a very took. West Philly. Oh no, yes, it is a very West Philly way of getting a cat. I am. I'm glad that you fixed the fact that I was in a tree again. But yes. I was really excited when you finished your story to say I can't make love to a bush. So. <laughs> There we go. Um, go. And you can't make a podcast with a bush. No. Um, No. So, okay. Florence Foster Jenkins obsessed with how high of a note she could hit. (laughs) And to the extent that she was in a car accident and she screamed. And when she went home, she went to her piano and figured out what note supposedly she had screamed. And she claims it was a high E. No. He is no. an elephant. Florence. 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 That being said, I love the idea of like hearing her tell that story. Like I was in a typical crash and I screamed so high. I imagine her with a transatlantic accent. Right? And then I got home and it was a, if you can't believe it, it was a high E. I, I spoke like, with a high E. It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. I am so because, ta- most so women, <laughs> most women lose their range, but I seem to be gaining. <laughs> but it. not me. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Also, how's there <laughs> when you get, when you get into a when you scream? I've never seen someone scream and automatically go into like the whistle range, <laughs> like automatically like pull, get into a car crash and pull out a Mariah Carey, like. <laughs> Like I never, I love that. But I love that. I love that Florence did apparently. Yeah, apparently she you did. You know who's? I think we should believe women. Yes, um, we should believe women. We should believe women, especially Florence Foster women. Jenkins. Especially Florence Foster Jenkins. Yes. So she continued with a variety of difficult repertoire, including new works that were written for her. I love this. Amazing. That composers wrote Amazing. for Florence Foster Jenkins, and I'm sure she paid them. Hopefully, well. Well, sure. Yeah, no, she was a very much a patron of the arts, and it's part of yes, that, and, and that's why people are so her. fond of her. Yeah, because yeah. as ridiculous as she may or may not have been, we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. she, she, she put her money where she her mouth was, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Um, but she she really loves Spanish music, as I said earlier, mm-hmm. to the extent that she would actually dress up as Carmen, like Carmen the Opera, yes, complete yes. with castanets. Wow. To do. Arias from from Carmen. Wow. Uh, 1930s. Some things change in her relationship with Sinclair. Sinclair mm-hmm. remains quote unquote married to her, but also takes up with a woman named Kathleen Weatherly. Mm. And this is one of these things that is it's convenient that uh, he didn't live with Florence Foster Jenkins. Mm. But uh in spite of this, he was singularly devoted to Florence Foster Jenkins. Like, he put hmm. her first. Okay. And there is, I, I will say, there. I don't know how true this is. There's some rumor that okay. he and Florence Foster Jenkins' relationship may have been not involving sex. Like, mm-hmm. a non-sexual relationship. Sure. Because sure. she wouldn't have wanted to pass 
would not have wanted to pass along her syphilis, which sure. would suggest that he may have taken up with Weatherly because he, you know, wanted to have sex. He wanted to, he wanted to get it. Yeah. But that is speculation. Sure. Um, okay. Let's see. There's some question as to whether Florence Foster Jenkins knew about Kathleen Weatherly. Yeah. She once mentioned to a friend that she knew of an English person who was going back to Europe to help with World War II. And the friend referred to the person as a he and Florence Foster Jenkins corrected her and said she was a woman and that she mm. and that she being Florence Foster Jenkins wouldn't be mad if her ship sank on the way. <laughs> uh, Which would suggest work. that she Again. knew yeah. what was going on there. Sure, sure. And it's at this point, too, that she starts making recordings mm-hmm. for personal distribution. Mm. But word got out about these recordings, and you could, anybody could write into the recording studio and purchase one. They cost $2.50. Okay. Which was like 50 bucks. Yeah. Today. Right. So, not a small amount, but if you are really dedicated to camp, you could well do worth it. the Well worth the investment if you yep. have that kind of, yep. have that kind of coin. Yeah. And that catapulted her popularity outside of the elite social circles of New York City. Oh, okay. In the same way that The Room is very popular. I keep referring to that because I don't think there is a better, like, modern (laughs) example of this. Um, It's a very, yeah, definitely, definitely. She finally gave in to public pressure and did a concert at Carnegie Hall at the Mm -hmm. age of 76, which is super impressive. Regardless of how she's saying, like, yeah. Just producing sounds that are somewhere in the neighborhood of these arias at the age right. of seventy six is incredibly cool. impressive. It's yeah, yeah. Like, it's I, I, I love it. I love that she that she did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So this was October twenty fifth, nineteen forty four, and for the first time in her life, she couldn't control ticket distribution. So this mm. was the first time she didn't have a inherently friendly audience to sing for. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. But didn't they know what they were getting into? Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. why they bought the ticket. Yeah. Yeah. I have this quote from McMoon, and okay. I am not entirely sure why I put it at this point in my notes. Sure. But it speaks to what you were talking about, about her stage presence. Mm. So McMoon, again, is her accompanist. This is a quote from him. When she sang, if my silhouette does not convince you yet, my figure surely will from... Adele's aria in Deflator Mouse. She put her hands righteously to her hips and went into a circular dance that was the most ludicrous thing I have ever seen (laughs) and created a pandemonium in the place. (laughs) One famous actress had to be carried out of her box because she became so hysterical. (laughs) That is awesome. That is awesome. Yes. So, unfortunately, this is the first time music critics got the chance to review her, and they did it. They're no fun. So, um, and they are, they're a trip. So, this is from the New York Sun. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Jenkins has a great voice. In fact, she can sing everything except notes. Much of her singing was hopelessly lacking in a semblance of pitch, but the further a note was from its proper elevation, the more the audience laughed and applauded. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so great. Oh, my God. 
guys um, work. That's all yep. I can say. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> she knew how to do it. <laughs> the New York Post was even less charitable than that, if you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Lady Florence indulged last night in one of the weirdest mass jokes New York has ever seen. <laughs> I, I I love this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really sorry. Oh, please continue. No, I I wanted to give you the chance to have your full yeah. full reaction to this. Those are pretty excellent. I love this image. Oh my gosh. Yes. But unfortunately, five days later, this was this was she she ended her life at the top. Five days later, she had a heart attack at a music <gasps> store, and oh. died a month later. November twenty sixth, nineteen forty four. There's um, there's some suggestion like there are some people out there who claim it was like the bad reviews. I do not think that is the case. No, because I mean, in part because I just don't want it to be. And, yeah, <laughs> and I don't yeah. know that just seems weird. Like she was seventy six. She was seventy six. She still had syphilis because you she don't had syphilis and not have it's syphilis. Not and I'm sure she ate a fatty diet. Like she was I'm, wealthy at yeah. a time when that was popular. Like I'm yeah. it's not a I, bananas thing that she might have had no, a heart attack. No. But nonetheless, she has a heart attack. Uh she was buried with her father in Wilkes Bear. Mm-hmm. And uh there's also a huge mess with her will as well, because she had intended to leave everything to Sinclair. Mm-hmm. But they weren't legally married, and mm. she had a certain distrust distrust of lawyers because of her tumultuous relationship with her father, and oh. so she didn't have things all tic tac and tied in the way she should have. Oh, that's yeah. a whole thing. Okay, but he gets something in the end, so he's he's okay. Um, all right. He honestly, he wasn't looking for her wealth. I think he just wanted like his apartment paid for. You know. Because uh, he had sure. given his career to her. Yeah. So. And uh, I wanted to end on a quote from her that mm-hmm. I think is just beautiful. She once said to a friend, people may say I can't sing, but no one can ever say I didn't sing. You're right there. You're right there, Florence. You yes. sang that. She sang that. I yes, she did. Love that. I love that. That's fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And that like, is what confidence can do for you. And money. Um, right. Also- so speaking of which, it's, <laughs> so that's why she was able to do any of this, right? Because she was rich. Right. <laughs> right. Not everyone can be a Florence Foster Jenkins. But today, no. you can. <laughs> because of YouTube, TikTok, whatever. Think of how many Florence Foster Jenkins we've seen. It's true. Like, do you? I it's don't know. True. You're a little younger than me. I don't know if you remember Star Wars Kid. Who was no. he was a meme, and unfortunately, he took it really hard uh, being mm. a meme. But mm-hmm. he was like just a random kid who took a video of himself doing like a Darth Maul esque like Star Wars <laughs> scene with like a broom, mm-hmm. and I think it's fantastic. Like I think it's super right. cool, and I'm really sad that he felt badly about the attention he got. Mm. Um, yeah. But I mean, there's so many examples in meme right. culture we can think of of people who did something a little weird. I keep bringing up Tommy Wiseau, the I'm blue guy. I'm my e memes are so old. I'm sorry. These are memes from no, but I, I, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that, but that they're still relevant. People still pay attention to them. 
I I'm worried because I don't know. I feel like I can't pull any memes out of out of the thin air. Yeah, but um, we've we've seen all these we've seen these people like on TikTok or whatever who their skill is questionable, but their confidence is not. And yes. I think that's just beautiful because you know what? Um, number one, this is a thing as someone who's taught music, we always say to kids, and it's true, is just getting up on that stage is an incredibly mm-hmm. brave thing to do. No yeah. matter what comes out from it's it. So it's, it's so true. Way I mean, it's so brave. Yeah. And also, like, it, it, you know, bravo to New York City's society for encouraging her. Yeah. Like, Honestly, yeah. Like, that's so because, cool. Because, yeah, any rich person can, like, throw a concert for themselves, but it takes something to throw a dreadful concert in terms of your singing ability and have everybody laugh, like clapping. Like, yes. You know, at, like, like Carnegie people are in Carnegie Hall, like, like the fact that everybody was Carnegie clapping. Hall. And also yeah. just the years and years and years of these smaller concerts that, yeah. I mean, they wouldn't have people happened would go if people to. didn't support her. Right. And she was having a great time. I'm like, sure she taught them something very, I'm sure what it was was like she was teaching them something about performance. Like, I feel oh, like yeah. people like Cole Porter were watching her. Be like, this is how you have a stage presence. Like she had that it. She had some sort of it factor. Oh, it yeah. sounds like she that she had it, to. She had that. She she would have been like a lip sync icon of today. Oh yeah, I think she would have yeah. been something. Or she might have been yeah. one of those people who got like eliminated on the first round of The Voice, but like became a meme. You know, right? Like right, right. She, right. I right. I love Florence Foster Jenkins. She trailblazer texted Ben when I was doing these notes and I said studying Florence Foster Jenkins fills me both with like what did I say so I can get this right it was like filled I, I am filled both with delight and dread <laughs> yeah <laughs> a because, curious mixture yes yeah because like I I don't want to be her <laughs> any creator I think has that moment of am I Florence Foster Jenkins oh my goodness I I don't I don't think I don't think as you know as much as I love Florence Foster Jenkins I don't think either of us are quite are quite on her level. Um, I mean, any any of us? <laughs> I don't either. Um, <laughs> I don't think either. I've been saying that one. I say I don't think either of us are doing what she did. Um, I think we, uh, you know, I I think I think we're. If everybody, I don't think everybody is laughing behind their backs, being like. But you know what? <laughs> if they are, if you are laughing behind our backs, go ahead and tell your friends. Yes. Join if you're because they're having because you know what? <laughs> if even maybe we are Florence Foster Jenkins, and you know what? People are having fun, and yep. that's what matters. <laughs> Exactly. So thank you so much for listening to Delicious of History. If you enjoyed yourself, be sure to subscribe and drop us a review on whatever platform you listen on. Reviews make a massive difference. A huge thank you to April Keys for the use of the song Misfit from her album Mountain View. You can find her on all the various social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I've been doing the TikTok thing. Yes. I had a video go unsettlingly viral, and then the one after it (laughs) was shown to 200 people. Yeah, and that like, that'll I happen. I don't understand what is happening. It's um, an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, consistent. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Because now that you have the buzz, you'll like. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's never mind. It, yeah, it's, it's a weird. It's a weird time. It's it's a weird <laughs> time to be weird. alive. Um, yeah. so we're on all those social media platforms as D-listers of history with no hyphens. Yes. Yes. 
a big shout out to the folks supporting us on Patreon. If you want to support us and get access to all sorts of exclusive content like D-list drabbles, become a patron of this program like Labor John. Labor yeah. John is now a patron. Thanks, Labor John. Wow. Yeah. And you also, Labor John, is at the level where you get stickers. So. Oh, my gosh. Same. Yes. Uh, I don't I have, actually have any stickers yet. I need to give possession. you the stickers. They, I have stickers that are bookmarked for you. Yes. Um, what do they say? Uh, there's one that's our logo. This is D-List awesome. of History. Awesome. There's one with a very strange looking animal in like a flower hat that mm-hmm. says just because they're queer doesn't mean they're not a cult leader. Love it. And there's one it. that is the seal of the president of the United States that says a little genocidal on it i love i love this i i i want to i can imagine that like in a, in the in the way that <laughs> i imagine that funny fridays is is uh is a, an inspiration to us all in terms of yes. t-shirt game yeah yes very um, much so. um <laughs> i was just watching i was just watching one of their videos right before coming on and i was like i am really overdue for a funny fridays t-shirt yeah, um, um yeah. I actually this is a terrible time to be doing this. Um I, I just got a t shirt from a favorite shop um called Nerdy Kepi and they just put out a line called the Fagala line. Because uh-huh. Fagala is Yiddish for like gay, traditionally gay man. But my name is Fega, and then how you like minimize it, like I minimize makes it sound bad. Like 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 the like, cutify yeah. it is mm-hmm. that la at the end. So Fagala is a way of just saying like like a cutesy, like, oh, Fagala. But it mm-hmm. also means gay. And so it's just like, I feel like they've made this line for me personally. So I have purchased a t shirt. Awesome. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, big, uh, blah, 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 we already did that part. All of this and more can be found on our website, deliciousofhistory.com. Again, no hyphens. Just put it together uh, and have a great time. I forgot to mention this when I was recording with Isa. Our episodes come out on the first and third Mondays of each month. So our next episode will be coming out June 5th. And now for a episode-relevant audio drop. I did your mom a teeny favor, sweetie pie. I needed to kill your friend, Sarastro, here's a knife. Sorry, when I think of stabbing, I start laughing. Ha, 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 ha.